Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, and we'll be reading the first 11 verses of this chapter. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. We are continuing to work our way through Paul's beautiful letter to the Colossian church, and uh, we are tonight uh, really moving into the next section of the letter. I hope by now you're starting to get a sense of the, um, of the flow of the outline of the book. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we do series preaching. There's nothing wrong with preaching a text here and a text there and a text here, but when we try to get the overall flow of a book, the argument of a book, to help get it locked into our minds. Um, if you maybe have missed that so far, I want to give you a brief outline of the book of Colossians. We started in chapter 1, and I would simply call chapter 1 introduction. Uh, Paul's prayer for the church, Paul's declaration of the supremacy of Christ, firstborn of creation, firstborn in redemption, and Paul's call to work in the church, introductory matters, setting up the book. Then in chapter 2, we had the warnings that Paul gives. Don't lose your freedom. Don't be taken captive. Don't be taken captive intellectually. And last time, don't be taken cap captive ethically, being bound to Old Testament ceremonial law. First the introduction, then the warnings. Now tonight, transitioning to chapter 3, and I would simply call chapter 3 the instructions. These are the instructions Paul wants to give to the church. In light of who Christ is, 
In light of the fact that we are not going to be taken captive again, how should we live? What does that life of freedom look like? And Paul is going to flesh that out in chapter 3. Paul uses um, his typical style here. It's very common to, to see Paul giving something of a summary statement and then fleshing that out afterwards. We saw that already in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 13, we read this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And he went on the rest of that chapter to say, who is that son? He gave us the summary statement, then spelled it out for us. We saw the same in chapter 2. What we've been calling the, the, the heart of the book or the theme of the book, chapter 2, verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul would give this summary statement, and he unpacked that in the rest of the chapter. He does the same thing in chapter 3. He begins, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. That's his summary. That's his point. Now he's going to flesh that out in the rest of this chapter. He's going to talk in the first half of the chapter, the verses tonight, 1 through 11. Those things that we should not do as Christians, those things we should put off as Christians. Next time, we'll look at verses 12 through 17. What is it we should do? What should we put on as believers? And following that, verse 18 and following, he'll get even more specific about the various relationships we have in our life. And how do we live those relationships as those who've been set free, seeking to honor our God? I said at the beginning of this series, it's a book that beautifully combines theology and practice. We've had, in many ways, the theology up to this point. The, the teaching theologically Paul wants to give them. Now, based on that, how is it we should live? It's a book that, that tells us what it means to be a believer. How do we live as those who are servants of Christ? And just uh, by way of passing, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, uh, Paul, as he does a number of times, when he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, uh, the sense of this if, it's a first-class Greek condition, the sense of this if, for my brother Squeers, who knows these type of things, it means since. Since you have been raised with Christ. Paul is not questioning if they've been raised. He's addressing those who have been raised with Christ. Christ. As a believer, how is it you should live? And again, that's where we begin. Verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, or since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Notice the time frame. Since you have been raised... Not, not since you hope to go to heaven. 
not since you hope to see Jesus someday. He roots the ethics not in some future possibility, but he roots their ethics in a past certainty. You have been raised. That is your status with God right now. Our ethics are rooted not in the future, but they are rooted in the past. We saw that again in chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 12. He said, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the power of the working of God. Because of what has taken place in the past, we are called to live in a certain way. And, and even not because of what we have done in the past, because of what Christ has done for us in the past. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. It has happened already. And since that is the case, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. God, through Jesus Christ, now sees us as if we were perfectly righteous. God, through Jesus Christ, now sees us as if we were perfectly holy. We've been declared righteous because of the work of Christ. Now live that way, Paul says. Live out the implications of what Christ has done for you. You've been raised with him. He is seated in the heaven. Your mind should be on things above, not on the things that are of this earth. For he says in verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That old man of sin has died, has been put to death. Our, our identity is not found in the old man. Our identity is not found in the things that we have done in the past or even what we will do in the future. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. In Him, we are a new creation, new creatures. This is what God calls us to. Of course, we have that, that ongoing tension. Sometimes we refer to that in some ways as the, the, the already and the not yet. It is the case that we are already seen as righteous in God's eyes, and yet we still struggle here below. The, the, the salvation in Christ has been accomplished, but we have not yet seen the fullness of that taking root in our lives. We will still struggle against sin. We will still struggle to serve God. But he says our identity is not found in the old man. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. The old man, you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This is how Paul begins this, this instruction on, on how it is we should live, what it is the Christian should live their life like. Going on to verse 5. 
He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Paul is saying our lives are going to be characterized as those who seek to follow God. And he highlights now two particular areas of our life where we are called to faithfulness. Two particular areas where we are called to live those new lives as new creatures that God has made us. In verse 6, talking about our sexual life. In verse 8, talking about anger which is so often the root of so many other sins. And he's going to spell this out for us, these two areas of our earthly nature that need to be put to death, these two areas that would still drag us down. But Paul says, set your mind not on the earthly, set your mind on the heavenly. In this first set, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul gives us a number of terms here dealing with our sexual life, terms that in this section move from specific things to more general things, moving from external actions to internal thoughts. Put away sexual immorality and impurity. Those things that we do that are impure in the eyes of our God. If Paul were addressing us today, what types of things would he have in mind? It would certainly be the case. In light of what we see going on around us in the culture, Paul would certainly have in mind this idea that, that male and female gender is simply a choice that you make. Put away this sexual immorality, this impurity. This idea that, that, that the pattern God has set of men and women within the covenant of marriage interacting together, that somehow that's optional for us now. Paul would certainly be addressing the LGBT community and bringing them the hope of the gospel. Not words of, of harsh uh, condemnation, but, but words of freedom. Don't let yourself be enslaved. Don't be dragged down. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. Live the implications of that new life. Paul would certainly address the issue of pornography, not only in the world, but in the church. Again, a sin which is so enslaving, makes us captive to it. Paul says, put that away. Don't be enslaved once again. That sin where in days past, you had to go out to the... Uh, the bad part of town and find these, uh, these uh, bad stores to buy them, purchase these things. Now the pornography comes right into our homes. 
It comes into our offices. It comes into our studies. It's everywhere. And so easily we become entangled and ensnared. Paul says, that's your earthly nature. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality and impurity. What are the websites we log on to? What are the television shows we watch? What is it that is on our phone that we feel we have to hide when someone walks into the room? God calls us to purity. Not, not to be enslaved, but since you have been raised, since you have been set free, live that life of freedom. Put to death that which is earthly in you. Those things external, those things internal, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Passion, evil desire. We talked about this this morning. What consumes our thoughts? What do we set our minds upon? Because what we set our minds upon will turn into those sins that we commit. Are these things that, that bring us closer to God or drive us away from God? He says, you have died. Your life is hid with Christ. Put to death that which is earthly in you. It is covetousness. It is idolatry. Covetousness. A lack of satisfaction with what God has given to us. A lack of satisfaction with what God has given to us, whether that be our gender, whether that be our spouse, whether that be the various things around us. We think we know better. We are dissatisfied with what God has done, which is why Paul says it's idolatry. It's putting my desire, my wishes, in place of God's provision. Paul is addressing a real church real people. This is not academic. Look at verse 7. In these you too once walked. He is talking to people who knew the depravity of this sin. You once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Not anymore. You've been set free. You have been liberated. Now, now live in the freedom of the Christian life, not allowing yourself to be enslaved once again because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, because of the past, we live now for him in the present. The second set of sins Paul deals with in verse 8 and 9, the sins of anger. And here he moves from, from the internal to the external. He moves from the general to the specific. Verse 8, put away these things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Put away anger and wrath and malice, that which, that which can burn within us. Anger, wrath, malice toward, toward our spouse, toward our children, toward our coworkers, toward our friends, toward our church members. Paul says these desires are contrary to the ways of God. They must be put away. It is not fitting for God's people to allow this anger, this wrath, this malice to have root in their heart. And if it's not fitting for it to be on the inside, it is certainly not fitting for it to express itself outwardly. 
He talks about slander and about obscene talk, the expression of what is within. How do we speak about others? How do we speak about about our spouse, about our children, about our employers, about our employees? How do we speak to them? Is our speech that which is seasoned with grace? How do we speak to those in church around us? Do we seek to speak the truth in love? Not what we think is the truth, what is the truth, but speaking it in love to them. Open conversation with each other. Paul says, and do not lie to one another. Why, he says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You have put this off. Don't go back to it again. You've been relieved from this this oppression of, of speaking the lie. Don't go back again and allow yourself to be enslaved to sin. You have a freedom in Christ Jesus because of what he has done. He says, take off the old self with this practice and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. And we'll talk about that next time. What it is to put on the new self. We notice that Paul's instruction is is because of what Christ has done. Paul doesn't simply give us good moral ethical advice. I hope you are not hearing tonight simply good moral ethical advice. Be better people. Be better people. That'd be a good thing. We're too weak. We're too frail. Left to ourselves, we can't be better. We'd only be worse. But we're not left to ourselves. We are new creatures in Jesus Christ. You have been raised with Christ. So seek those things that are above where Christ is. Put to death the earthly. And Paul concludes this section. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This call to Christian conduct, this call to holy living, This call to freedom comes to all of us. It's for all of us in the church. Uh, Sometimes it's easy uh, when we hear a sermon that that points out particular sins or things we have to work on. uh, The first thing that comes to our mind is, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that tonight. I wish they were here to hear this sermon. It's not just for somebody else. It is for me. It is for you. This is the call to holy living. For all of us. Because that then, that desire to live as Christ has called us to, will bind the church together. There will be a glorious unity, as there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, We're not distinguished by religious class or social class or family dynamic. We are all one in Christ. Christ is the head of his body. And we are to act like that body, being drawn to one another, concerned about each other, praying for each other, and lifting each other up, helping each other in our walk with the Lord. We belong together 
as a body. God has brought this church together of various individuals as a special, a special bond. There's a, there's a oneness that we have in Christ Jesus beyond just a, uh, an intellectual oneness. We belong together. We need to encourage each other. We need to pray for each other that that unity might be manifest to the world around us that they might know we share a common confession. Oh, we perhaps don't agree on every little detail, but we share a common confession and a common love for Christ and for each other. A love to walk in the freedom, the newness of life that we have in Jesus Christ. Since you have been raised, set your hearts on things above. As Paul's hearers heard this letter read to them, so we are left with, I guess, just one question. What difference will this word of God make in our lives? Hearing the call to put away that which is earthly. This is not simply an intellectual exercise. Oh, these are the things I should put away. It's a practical call. A practical call because of what Christ has done and because the Holy Spirit now dwells in us. Left to ourselves, we are too weak, but we are not left to ourselves. Christ himself strengthens us that we can begin to live these new lives, these lives of freedom, these lives of joy, these lives which celebrate what he has done. How will this text affect us tomorrow and next week and next month? Knowing you have been raised with Christ. If you are here tonight and uh, have never embraced Jesus Christ, this may sound simply as uh, moral, ethical advice. Um, your need is not for moral advice. Your need is to confess your sins and trust in Jesus Christ. Only then does a text like this begin to make sense. Not because of what we have done, not because of what we will do. Can we live this way? Only because of what Jesus Christ has done. Our Savior doing everything necessary to secure an eternity with Him, gifting us with His Holy Spirit. That while we live in this world now, we can live those new lives. You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things that are above. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are in awe of what you have done for us. You have sent your own Son, Jesus Christ, to, pull, to fully pay for all of our sins, and in Him we have a new life. We have been raised with Him. Forgive us, O God, when we seek to live in the ways of the earth, when we seek to follow those old sinful patterns. Lord God, tonight, by the power of Your Spirit, work mightily and powerfully in our hearts, in our lives, that we might live lives of freedom. We might leave here rejoicing that we are no longer enslaved. We've been set free. We are new creatures. And give us a greater desire, a greater devotion to live as you have called us to live. Lord God, hear our prayer for Jesus' sake.
Amen. Let's turn together in our Psalter hymnal to number 428. Number 428 speaks about leaving those things we put off and those things we put on. Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness, and light, Jesus, I come to thee. Out of my sickness, into thy health. Out of my want, into thy wealth. Out of my sin and into thyself, Jesus, I come to thee. We're going to sing all four verses, 428. Let's stand together as we sing.
following our benediction, we will sing from the song sheet in the racks in front of you, number 161, verses 1 and 3 and 5. Receive now the parting blessing of our God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.